Hello guys, it's that time of the week again, time for the Not The Top 20 podcast. So welcome, my name is Ali Maxwell, alongside me, George Ellick, and we've now had two full game weeks to discuss. Uh, Game week two was as exciting as game week one, and there's still a lot to unpack. Now, just a quick one before we start, had a bit of feedback from a new listener after the last (laughs) podcast, so thank you, David, for getting in touch. David was wondering whether the podcast is always like this. One of the presenters, not sure who, but I think we can all guess, uh, speaks nonstop for about 10 minutes with barely a pause and hardly drawing breath. Um, Quite impressive in a way, but is a monologue the idea of the show? Now, if we'd been drifting into that uh, area, possession-based podcast, I'd call it, uh, then I apologise. Maybe it's time to switch to a more of a high-intensity style. I actually set up that account um, (laughs) because I didn't think I could tell you uh, normally face-to-face. So I've been working on that one for a bit so I could give you some feedback without getting your your angst. Yeah, well, (laughs) very very much in line with what is in vogue in the championship um, at the moment. We're going to switch to a more high-intensity style. So, George, I'm going to throw over to you straight away um, talk about energy talk about ambition uh, we could be talking about our own podcast but we're not we're talking about Marcelo Bielsa's leads uh, of all the performances across the EFL I think arguably for the second weekend in a row we need to start here because it was it was something else again it really was uh, they were absolutely fantastic and um, you know delighted to see Kamar Roof at the at being the star of it as well I mean they, they bought Patrick Bamford for, Bamford for that money and at the moment because of the Roof's performances He's just not really getting a look in. Um, and what I love about this is I was expecting it to be fairly you know, possession-based, but it hasn't really been that. I mean, the, in both games uh, they've played so far, it's been high-intensity, it's been very quick, but at the same time it's been very, you know, fairly direct. Mm. I mean, look, look at the amount of balls they're getting in the box. You look at how um, the pace of play, especially when Saiz and Alioski are on the ball, it's really quick and it's just great to see. They're creating so many chances. It feels like... They're one of those teams at the moment who can just create chances at will. It did and, feel uh, like that. And Kamar Roof is showing finally that he is you know, a goal scorer and a striker. And I, you know, obviously I'm delighted to see him do that. Yeah, it was like the first 90 seconds of the game. Samu Saif had two moments where he drove through the midfield, ran, running at the back line. And I just feel like the ball went out of play and the Derby players must have gone, Jesus, um, we're not ready for this. And of course, Curtis Davis was out for Kaio Tomori came in. Um, he probably had an, a decent performance given the circumstances being chucked in like that. Um, I thought Derby, you know, will probably say this about most of Leeds' opponents if they're going to play like this throughout the season, but they didn't deal with it well. They gave the ball away far too often. Um, that midfield, we mentioned it on the betting show, just a, a bit creaky having the likes of Joe Ledley um, trying to screen in front of the defence he, he couldn't stop uh, those those leads sort of the three behind getting getting through them um, you've got Keo who, who's who's had a, a bit of a stinker to be yeah. honest he acts like an experienced leader like a senior player in that team which of course he is in terms of, of longevity and games played there but he doesn't play like one and that's a, that's a big issue for Derby at the moment because um, they're struggling to click going forward that's for sure but uh, they also haven't got that solid foundation at the back that we've seen uh, and, and Keogh's going to have to step it up over the next few weeks if Derby are to, to, to sort of build on that, that opening day win against Reading, which we noted for, for being, you know, well ground out, but not necessarily impressive. So Leeds, the energy, the ambition. Uh, we've had loads of tweets from Leeds fans. They're so, they're so excited. Well, yeah, I mean, a Leeds fan in my office said to me this afternoon, how many caps do you think Luke Ayling is going to get for England? Um, and he, <laughs> you know, you know that it's kind of it, it's, it's August when stuff like that's coming out, and people are getting a bit carried away. But you know, you have to. I'm, I, you know, I'm still not convinced that necessarily 
this is going to continue all season for Leeds. Um, you know, Leeds fans themselves have been in this position quite recently, albeit without the glitz and glamour of Bielsa. But uh, at the moment, they do look like the class team in the league. They're now favourites to win the league. Um, but a word of warning, maybe, because as we've said on this podcast before, or for those of you who haven't heard, Bielsa's teams do have a knack of starting very, very quickly indeed and slowly, but surely the, the intensity takes takes its toll on their legs and, and there's often a, a later season drought. But as it is for the time being, you know, 10 out of 10, full marks for the start and uh, and long may it continue. Yeah, definitely by the, the the effect that it may have as the season progresses on the fitness of the players and, and what they can do, whether they can keep it up. But I've also got a, a lead supporting mate who's a bit worried about their depth um, and also that teams might start to figure them out. But I think what I would say to him is championship teams don't don't figure teams out that quickly we've seen with Wolves last season and, and, and many other teams that I don't know if it's because of the, the diversity of the league or whether there's just too many games and not enough time on the training pitch but teams don't tend to work teams out that quickly mm. so from that point of view I think uh, Leeds should be alright if they can maintain this very high level of performance uh, they're not top of the league though um, that is Middlesbrough who have 7 points from Three games after playing in midweek, uh, a first half set piece blitz versus Sheffield United, and they won that game three nil, and then another win to nil, beating Birmingham one nil. Quite a nicely taken goal by British Ombalonga, uh, and from what I saw, it was it was Martin Braithwaite who, you know, eh, to to the extent that anyone can be, has been like a new signing this summer. Obviously signed last summer. Um, but bombed off in January back to France, uh, given another chance by Pulis now, and he has started the season really, really well. A, a great assist um, to play it through to a Sombolonga. George, they obviously did lose Adama Traore in the end, and they brought in Jordan Hugill uh, on deadline day. So, you know. What... <laughs> not really like for like, is it? Not really, no. But then this is quite a fun one for us because you and I. Um... I think we're quite surprised by the reaction of lots of, of, of Borough fans to our prediction of them coming second in the league, where a lot of them got in touch with us saying, no, we won't. Where are the goals going to come from? We're not looking very good. So to see them easing into first place, albeit having played one game more, is great. Also interesting to see um, Lewis Wing start starting from Middlesbrough, you know, just uh, 23 years old, hasn't got much football under his belt, was on loan at Yeovil last season. Uh, Tony Pulis, not necessarily a manager who you associate with uh, bringing in inexperienced talent so interesting seeing him starting as well so clearly fancies him and I think some of his delivery over the last few games from set pieces has been absolutely brilliant yeah absolutely and uh, Troy is going to be a big loss there's no doubt about that but um, if you you look at the bench on Saturday uh, you've got McNair and Ledbitter then it's the likes of of after that Ashley Fletcher Marvin Johnson uh, and then the youngsters like Marcus Tavernier and Chapman so you know while there's some talent there that's, that's a worry isn't it that sort of depth yeah, no, absolutely it is. And, and also you look at um, who started in that kind of wing-back role um, that Troy probably mean he'd have played obviously a more attacking version of it, but we would have been playing there, and it was Ryan Shotton. And I think there's nothing more pulisy really than getting in a man who, uh, you know, has, has been a bit of a jack-of-all-trades coming in on that, on that right-hand side and doing very well indeed. So th- there are concerns, obviously, about the strength and depth, um, but I think if Asombolong is back to a scoring form, if Braithwaite is going to be the player they thought they brought in earlier in the season, then... Um, in terms of starting lineup and in terms of the start they've had and the fact that Pulis has already got them being fairly functional, this looks really exciting. Just going back to that, that point you made about Borough fans maybe not being as, um, as confident about their team as we were, it's something that I've noticed and tweeted about off the NTT20 Twitter account yesterday. 
aside from Leeds, there don't seem to be many fans of teams in the Championship who, who, after, although it's only been two games, who are thinking, yes, we can really challenge. Stoke fans not happy with the way their team have started. And I'd say aside from Leeds and possibly Brentford fans and to some extent Nottingham Forest fans, I do think that there's not that many teams fans that seem uh, ex- you know sure of a, of a title challenge which is a bit of an odd situation to be in maybe maybe fans are uh, more pessimistic these days but just something that I noticed recently the game of the weekend in the championship in terms of uh, goals and and the sort of pendulum swinging was Norwich and West Brom and uh, this from a West Brom point of view George with, with Marcus Gale that's not what he's called. Marcus Gale. <laughs> with, with Dwight Gale. Uh, with Dwight Gale having joined in a straight swap loan deal with Satmon Rondon, which you don't see uh, very many of these days. With him and Rodriguez, with, with Harvey Barnes, who you know I'm feeling pretty smart about having flagged him up before the start of the season. He's looking absolutely electric. I said possibly one for 10 goals and 10 assists this season. Well, um, he's certainly well on his way in terms of goals. But Matty Phillips as well uh, in right midfield. Um, West Brom are one of those quite classic, it seems, relegated teams that look really imbalanced. And that's not necessarily a negative thing because on the one end they've got great talent. They've, they've also got like Brunt playing centre mid. Brunt Livermore. Yeah, I know it's not great that. I mean, if you're asking me, this game is, is one, of the, one of the travesties um, of the weekend, to be honest. I thought that Norwich were, <laughs> were really impressive. Um, obviously, Jordan Rhodes misses a crucial penalty to put them ahead. Um, I think that the, the trio of, of Onel Hernandez, Jordan Rhodes and uh, Timo Puki looked really interesting and really exciting. They kept the ball very well. Um, they Tim Krul obviously made an absolute howler for the second um, Jay Rodriguez goal. So... Whilst it's not what Norwich fans wanted, a home defeat, conceding four goals, I think that there's a lot of evidence early on this season to suggest that they have improved despite yeah. losing some key players. Hernandez looks absolutely electric, yeah. a real X factor. A couple of goals and then a couple of assists. So. Yeah, and as you said, they've, I mean, they were comfortable in possession last year. They'll be at the top end of the league in terms of possession stats this year. I guess that's a worrying trend, um, the, 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 con- the concession of goals. But as you said, a lot of them were, were you know, long ranges, not necessarily high quality chances created from West Brom. So Norwich need to tighten up a little bit, I think it's fair to say. Uh, one of the other relegated teams... I thought it was interesting to to touch on. In fact, we were asked to touch on. We had a tweet from a Swansea fan who said, please, can you discuss the situation at Swansea? Unbelievable anger towards the board um, that's really, well, it's been lingering for a while, but it's really had a bit of a crescendo in the last few weeks and then the last few days, uh, including deadline day. Um, The departures of Federico Fernandez and Jordi Amat, the centre-backs, has left them with one senior centre-back in Mike van der Horn. So on the weekend, uh, Joe Rodon made his debut, 20, 21-year-old Welsh centre-back. It was brilliant. They kept a clean sheet. They beat Preston 1-0. So it's created this slightly strange situation from my point of view. You've got uh, the fans who have said... We've had a fan tweet us to call what happened at Swansea asset stripping in the extreme, uh, which is quite the accusation. Um, Others suggesting that the owners are cutting Potter off at the knees. Um, and, and, And this squad now looks completely removed from from how it did two months ago now there's this real bad feeling from the fans at the moment but what I would say is that the owners themselves have, have basically said well our main goal was to get rid of players who could have had a corrosive effect on the squad and it seems from Potter's comments after the game like he's well he's certainly not 
throwing his toys out the pram. He said himself, we've got to be careful with deadline days. This time last year, the fans thought we'd had a good one, um, but that actually when the club has spent money in the past, it hasn't necessarily solved the problems. Um, so he has said, you know, we want players to grow and develop here, um, that the fans, they want the external solution. And I get that, but it's for me trying to focus on the group that we have and on the solution internally. So players like Joe Rodon, players like McBurney, players like Fulton, who scored the winner, um, like Carroll did play last season, but now seeming to be thriving. Uh, Matt Grimes get more opportunities as well. So it just makes this an interesting situation. Which sort of side do you lean towards? Do you think the fans have every right to be fuming? Or do you think that, you know, Potter, who made his name at Ustersons, making the most out of a, uh, you know, getting the best out of his squad could be the best thing for him? Well, I, I don't think it's going to be the best thing for them. I think they obviously need reinforcements. But at the same time, we live in a culture where on deadline day, basically every fan of every club in the country is desperate for signings. And whilst Swansea definitely have holes in their squad they could have improved on, I think that their start to the season with six points in two games is far more important than that. Um, the fact that Potter doesn't seem out of his depth, the fact that the players are obviously playing for him, the fact that they're, you know, they kept a clean sheet against a decent Preston team, it's, it's not an easy thing to do to come down from, from the league above. You look at Stoke, who are on one point after two games. Um, so whilst I understand their frustration, if you still got players like Leroy Fur coming off the bench for you as well, then your options in centre of the field in the championship can't be too... Even, sh- even though he's relegation expert. Miss relegation, yeah. I think, well, to be fair, I should have mentioned this uh, before in my, well, what was probably under the category of monologue, which I apologise for to, to David. Um, uh, what I should say is that uh, Ryan Woods did not complete his move to Swansea. I think that's a big source of frustration. Certainly the reporting surrounding that Ryan Woods deal suggested that, you know, that, 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 that the reason that the transfer didn't go through was over, let's say, 400, 500, hundred thousand pounds which in the grand scheme of things with their parachute payment this summer Swansea probably could have swallowed but that's where the frustration comes from I can kind of see uh, well I can certainly see where it comes from but uh, you know as we've maybe flagged up that there's definite reasons for positivity and a great start for Graham Potter Um, if we could just touch on a few players George rather than, than than teams individuals that have caught our eye over the first few weeks of the season Ollie Watkins, another one that we flagged up in, in those videos we did for Sky Sports. Um, he's got a goal against Rotherham, a goal against Stoke, and he's just showing off his, his seamless, absurd talent. Seamless plug that as well. Really nice. If you haven't seen them already, uh, skysports.com. Um, yeah, no, he is um, looking fantastic and a really, really good finish uh, for his goal. You know, a huge goal over the weekend as well. And to see him and, and Brentford flourishing, I think that despite the fact that they didn't get the victory um, at Stoke, uh, any, anyone and everyone who saw the full game said that they deserved it and missed you know, a bit of a story of, of Brentford's um, recent history but missed a few chances to do so and they're, they're probably playing Stoke at the best time to play them but at the same time they, they were creating more chances I mean they outshot Stoke 17 shots to 9 um, which not many teams will do this season they kept the ball better than them um, and generally they, they were the better team so yeah, exciting times for Brentford. Great for Watkins to be in the thick of it and, and a huge goal for him as well. And, and now two from two for the season. I think that I'm right in saying he took the most shots in the league last season, certainly averaged the most shots per game. So it is a part of his game, the, these sort of pot shots from the edge of the box. And I suppose at times that's the sort of thing that can frustrate fans if he's maybe got a better option elsewhere. But certainly if he can finish like he has with both feet uh, in the first two games of the season, then he could be another one like Barnes who uh, essentially playing off the wing could score you know, an awful a lot of goals this season what about a very easy um, it's amazing his rise when you consider that it was really only midway through last season that he started to catch the eye for Wickham uh, and now we've got a player lighting up the championship 
absolutely absurd at the weekend against Sheffield United and all the Sheffield United fans that tweeted us with their Sunday scouting reports every one of them mentioned him and, and you could see why watching the highlights he had six shots in the game five of them on target all of them from the edge of the box just outside testing the goalkeeper and obviously scoring a brilliant half volley as well um, with him and Freeman in midfield there is a lot for QPR fans to get excited about and you know their first goal well, their, their only goal showed the quality that they, that they have it's just whether they can do it enough, whether they've got the striker to finish the chances that are created. And clearly at the back, there, there, there's some big problems as well, e- even though uh, the concession of a penalty that Sheffield United scored from was very, very harsh indeed. Um, John McGinn signed for Villa and seemed instantly impressive from, by all accounts. Um, great delivery with his left foot, settled into the centre of the park really well. So along with Grealish and Hurahan, gives them a, a really solid midfield. Yedinak playing at centre-back for Villa is still an issue. Wigan probably should have got at least a point out of that game, um, but Villa left with all three. And Forestieri, I think, has started the season mm. really well. Took a, took a goal really well on opening weekend. Um, amazing bit of skill to create a chance for himself on the weekend um, that was well saved and also obviously scored the penalty. So in Forestieri, does Sheffield Wednesday have a guy that, you know, if he's fit for the whole season, can you see him being top scorer in the league or, or threatening that sort of thing? Well, I think they're going to be reliant on him, but I don't know if... I think that they're going to be... Um so reliant on him that they're you know they're fairly poor. That's that's a really bad result against Hull um, over the weekend. And again, I think it was another game where, where arguably they they were lucky to get that draw. So I'm you know you know anyone who's heard this before knows that I'm a big fan of his. Um, but relying on penalties for to get a result against Hull isn't ideal. I'm not convinced that Lahukai is the man to, to take this club forward. I don't think they've necessarily got the, the squad or the players. We said it before, it all just feels fairly stale. And, uh, and whilst I'm a big fan of Forestieri, I think the other players you mentioned there um, have had better starts to the, uh, to the season, mainly because of their, their, their club. I mean, the one in, uh, team you, you said that I'm interested in, a Wigan, who I think, despite their loss on, on the weekend, are probably the team in the championship who've proven to me early on that I had them um, worse than they actually are. Mm. I think that they look really, really good. I think that they look like they've kicked on from last season. Um, I think to they're going to continue to score goals with ease given um, the fluidity and, and the attacking play of, of, of their forward line, despite the fact I tipped up Gavin Massey to score uh, first. And well, then, they did some late business, didn't they? He, he wasn't even in the squad. Well, Windass and Callum Connolly um, joined uh, on, on deadline day. Uh, and, and pretty much went straight into that side. Windass had a great chance to win it, um, but he, he couldn't finish. Uh, we had a couple of people at that game who tweeted us about it. Um, great friend of the pod, George Smiley, flagged up Wigan's fullbacks, Reese James, who's obviously on loan from Chelsea, and Anthony Robinson, who was on loan at Bolton last season, is now at Wigan. Both of them real, really flying down the flanks and, and a seemingly pretty good delivery as well. So, so that, coupled with Nick Powell that we've spoken about a lot, again, you know, he got a goal, he got an assist, just looking really, really good. So good times for Wigan there. Moving down to League One now, and if Leeds are the team to talk about in the Championship, then Barnsley are surely the team to talk about in League One. Uh, because it seems that Daniel Stendhal has got them playing in, in a, a pretty exciting way, I think it's fair to say. 2-0 win at Valley Parade on the weekend and uh, exceptional start. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, the form of their first win hasn't been franked, as it were. Uh, that 4-0 win over Oxford doesn't look quite so good anymore, but we'll get onto that in a second. Uh, but, go, yeah, go, you know, going to Valley Parade and getting a 2-0 win with minimal fuss is always very impressive. 
Um, I think in Tom Bradshaw, they've got a player who, who will score a lot of goals at this level. Um, they, the, the players seem to be buying into the style of football that they're being asked to play. They seem to have taken to it just like Leeds very quickly. The players seem immediately suited to it as well. It doesn't feel like they're kind of shoehorning in a, a European system like we've seen before when managers have come from the com- continent into these clubs. And uh, two mightily convincing wins, uh, both to nil, haven't really looked like conceding yet. So I think at the moment, you know, we call Barnsley as our League One winners. And uh, I think now they, they seem the clear, clearly the most obvious ones to uh, to win the league. It was just so noticeable on the on the match highlights the the amount of players that they're committing forward and mm. the quality of those players we've seen just in the first two games this season on the score sheet. Tiam times two, Adeboyejo times two, Bradshaw Potts uh, assists from Cavare times two, Potts McGeehan, Moncur. Uh, that's not even mentioning Alex Mowat, who's been impressive. Dugal, the guy that they signed in the summer, who looks brilliant, uh, and Kiefer Moore as well, who, who's not troubled the scorers yet. So really good times, really really looking very good, Barnsley, um, and uh, in in, uh, in Oxford. As you mentioned, the team that they beat on opening day, you were at the Kassam on Saturday. Uh, 2-0 home defeat to Fleetwood. So that six goals conceded, no goals scored. Is it as bad as it sounds? Yeah, probably. Um, I was there on Saturday and Ricky Holmes was absolutely brilliant. I mean, it feels like we're basically Ricky Holmes FC now, which is a bit of a concern. Just before you get sad about the, the performances so far, <laughs> just talk to us about Ricky Holmes. Um, you said that as a, as a fan of a League One, League Two club, it, it's pretty rare that you make a signing like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's normally people come with bigger reputations or you convince yourselves to listen to the people who, uh, who are saying good things and, and not the bad stuff. But then in Ricky Holmes, this is a player that, you know, I've seen play against Oxford probably eight times and all eight times he's been the best player on the pitch. Um, it's almost like that kind of Premier League signing where there's a player that you actually admire and then he you end up getting him and the excitement's palpable and even when you you know when you're going to watch him for the first time playing for your club you already know exactly what you're going to get uh, and it was great to see him deliver he was brilliant and a couple of wayward shots but generally his close control, control his ability to get players into play his dribbling ability um, yeah maybe I've got my new Maguire um, I'm not sure but uh, he was great but um, credit where credit go, where credit's due to, to Fleetwood um, I don't think there was much in the game generally, but you definitely can't begrudge them their win given the chances that they put away. Um, it was a pretty blatant foul by Chad Evans on Tony McMahon for the first goal. Um, but I mean, the second goal was absolutely uh, terrible from Scott Shearer. Carl Robinson trying to claim it was a dive, I think, but I, I don't know how he, where he got that from. Uh, anyone particularly impressive for Fleetwood? Uh, just from, from the highlights, it looked like Dempsey looked pretty bright in the central midfield. Dempsey was definitely good. Um, he was impressive. Chad Evans didn't really do much, I must say. Um, it was mainly the centre-backs, actually, who didn't really give us much of a chance. I mean, we have more of the ball, as you'd expect, as the home team, especially when, when they go ahead. But... Um, but we were we we were, struggled to create anything meaningful. Jamie Mackey missed a very very easy uh, bet header at the back post, which was probably our only kind of big chance, as it were. Um, but except for that, they they def- defended resolutely. They were fairly um, competitive, to put it kindly. Um, I would say in that there was a lot of a lot of bite, but but you know, understandably so. You, you want your teams to play competitively, so. A bit, um, of, uh, bit of whining from Carl after the game. Yeah, it wasn't great that. I mean, he. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm. I'm still a fan of Carl's, but he kind of blamed our players having to see Simon Eastwood's finger being injured before the game as, as the reason for our bad performance. Because you said, say finger being injured, it was dislocated yeah, yeah. and came out through the skin. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, that's happened to me before as well, actually. Um, but he. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. He didn't see us performing badly on the pod after that. After and, and you he, did it, did you? And, and he also brought his um, he brought his laptop to the post match interview <laughs> uh, to try and show the Nathan Cooper, the BBC Oxford interviewer, the, the foul on McMahon. But that, all that meant was that there was white noise the whole time during the interview, so no one could hear what he was saying. Oh. Um, but it, it's a concern. Um, you know, we've lost our first two games six nil. Uh, and uh, in that, on aggregate, we haven't really looked like scoring except for the Jamie Mackey chance. Um, but it's it's very very early days, and you know if you, if you look at despite what anyone says, if you look at our squad now compared to last season, this time last year, it, it's heads and shoulders uh, above it. It's just we've got to sort out our defensive shape, and we've got to work out how to score a goal. You that sounds so bleak. Yeah, it did sound quite bleak. Well, we'll go back to positivity. We'll learn how to defend and how to attack, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty basic stuff. That no, uh, you, you found a WhatsApp that you'd sent me on uh, the seventeenth of October, twenty seventeen, saying Ricky Holmes is too good for League One. So that's just to show that you know this isn't you, as you've said, just getting excited and picking the good stuff here. Um, really, is very very exciting signing. Uh, we talked about Carl Robinson there, and uh, you know, we, we, it, it, it's not. So it's not the end of the world that he's been a bit abrasive in a press conference after a defeat. It's nothing new. He's not the only manager that does it. We remarked in pre-season how good League One was going to be this year in terms of managers winding each other up. And we've basically had our first flashpoint. Um, <laughs> managers involving, that can... Involving one who is obviously going to be involved <laughs> yeah. and one who you just never would have thought so. The, the literally, the everyone, man the football. man everyone considers, as you say, to be the nicest man in football, Chris Powell, um, being, being accused of putting his hands around the neck of we, Derek Adams. But, you know, he, this is no it. surprise. He's admitted it. He said, yeah, I did it. But he was like, if, if, if Derek ever wants to come out and, and say what he said to my player, then, then I'm all for it. So, Do you love this about Derek Adams? Because I know you're a fan of his in general. I mean, yeah, I think that it's all part of it's all part of the act, really, um, and it's obviously his way of of communicating with his players, and it's his you know it's it's his us against them mentality that, that that's important to the way that they go about their business, and you know you've seen how it's worked in the last couple of years. Um, it, it, I, I mean, I don't like him fighting with Chris Powell because I like Chris Powell but uh, no and so, so they, essentially they both, they both put red cards as well yeah so Powell got upset because uh, Adams got upset with South End player Simon Cox and told him to shut up is what Derek Adams said he said to him now for, from Powell's reaction you'd assume that it might have been something a little stronger than that choice so, words so Powell's yeah. Powell's almost trying to build a bit of that men's, that mentality clearly within his own squad saying you know he won't hear his players talked to like that by an opposition manager and Derek Adams doing a very Derek Adams uh, sort of statement afterwards saying well when you come to Plymouth you know it's a very good football club and it's a scalp to come here and get result you saw that with their time wasting at the end how long they took to get their subs on they were here for a point they got a point and they'll be happy with that so a really good start to what we'd hoped would be a, um, a league one filled with these sort of manager spats and now that managers can can be actually shown red cards uh, it just makes the whole experience all the more visceral and um, we're, we're all for it I think it's fair to say um, across League One a bit like the Championship there's a few performers uh, to mention here George I think when Accrington were promoted uh, key man Billy Keys you know, that's what you were reading in, in a lot of the, the season preview stuff but in Sean McConville they've got a player who technically is just brilliant and was was the catalyst for their first away win in, in the third tier. Yeah, amazing result away at Bristol Rovers, uh, especially conceding that late goal to, to, to new signing Stefan Payne and then going up the other end and, and getting the winner, uh, McConville getting both of them. Uh, key yet to get off the mark, but um, some really nice hold-up play for that second goal as well. So, and it was just great to see after that really, you know, the nightmare start to their League One campaign, losing at home. 
um, to, to make the trip down to, to Bristol Rovers a very tough place to go and, and get the win is absolutely massive. And another player who I think was obviously very impressive um, last season, uh, adding, adding goals to his game, was Jordan Clark, who looked really, really lively again uh, in, in, in what I saw of this game. And uh, I think with those three as, as an attacking unit, obviously losing Jackson to, to Ipswich, I still think that they're going to be a force to reckon with here. And um, you know, they were the biggest price winner, as we saw our friends at We Love Betting tweeted today. And I think that, you know, if you listen to the betting pods on Thursday, you'll hear that they're still, I think, you know, misvalued by bookmakers. And they're, they're going to be a proper League One team. They're definitely not here just to make up the numbers. Yeah, McConville, one of those players that might lack a yard of pace so that, that would probably see him playing higher because he doesn't lack much else. Um, Accrington managed to get Connor Ripley on loan on deadline day, really who was that. an unbelievable mm, signing, I thought. Really impressive, yeah. He, what was it, two seasons ago, was, was one of the standout goalkeepers at League One level. Yeah. Um, and a couple of other, you know, good performers so far. Siriki Dembele catching the eye at Peterborough, really making up for Marcus Madison's continued absence. Uh, he's expected, I think, still to be heading up to the Championship, some sort of loan-to-buy deal, but it, it remains to be seen how many of the Championship clubs are actually willing to to, to part with that money um, because he is very highly valued by Peterborough, and he's a player that we've mentioned before. You know, looks brilliant in flashes, certainly on the in, in dead ball situations, but uh, is quite a... Um, possibly a bit of a luxury player I would say um, in possession and so it has to be a team very certain of, of his quality uh, who will sign him and that's presumably why it's dragged on so long but Dembele was involved in all of their goals I think uh, in their 4-1 win on the weekend uh, brilliant set piece delivery crosses from the left flank with his right foot um, looks absolutely deadly and to be honest you can say that about a lot of Peterborough's players so far when you've got a front line of, of Matt Godden um, of Jason Cummings and with Ivan Tony coming off the bench and that is pretty terrifying at this level so a good start for Posh uh, Donny have been a real surprise so far and in Marquis we knew they had a goal scorer possibly uh, I, I, I was quite down on them in pre-season and, and this might be one that makes us look quite silly I'm going to have to take the blame for that if it does but I, I always thought that Marquis seemed a bit isolated but uh, in Kawamia and Rowe and the guy I wanted to highlight Malik Wilkes on loan from Leeds it looks like he's not isolated anymore he's, he's got that sort of backup cast and Wilkes especially catching the eye yeah and, and they've got a, a quite a nice fixture that's coming up as well they, they go to Burton who obviously endured a, a tricky start to life back in League One and then a home game against Shrewsbury so they could easily be the, the early pace setters um, but uh, you know I, I agree with you they've, they've impressed thus far um, a really convincing win against Wickham who who very few teams beat convincingly with um, Gareth Ainsworth at the helm. So it's a, it's a fantastic start for them. Will it continue uh, when the team, games get a bit tougher? I'm not so sure, but uh, but certainly full marks at the moment. Yeah, same could be said for Gillingham. They've started really well. Uh, Brandon Hanlon, who was released by Charlton, uh, who they picked up on a free, looks absolutely electric. He got a few assists on the weekend. Regan Charles-Cook as well. Um, both of those guys are looking really deadly for Gillingham on the counter-attack. They've started the season really well. Uh, moving down to League Two now, where we've got a few teams on maximum points, MK Dons, Exeter and Lincoln. Uh, which of those teams have you been most impressed with so far? I think Exeter have to be the most impressive one because it was very kind of unexpected for us at least or certainly for myself I thought there were going to be definite teething problems um, if you think that this is their manager's first ever games in charge of a professional team and they've won both goals with a, with a two goal cushion in each so maybe 
again, you've got to look at the fixture list. Carlisle, a team who, who we've been told by their fans and we've seen early on, look like they're set to struggle. Morecambe, who have had a horrible start to the season and uh, look to be justifying their tags as, as relegation favourites. Next up, they've got Newport at home. So again, another game that despite, you know, Newport have kind of come out swinging despite their um, injury problems. Again, you, you wouldn't surprise you to see them continue to pick up to pick up points. MK Dons, Full mark so far, but not necessarily convincing in either game, uh, despite taking a two-goal lead against Oldham. And then Lincoln, obviously, you know, it's just more of the same, isn't it? They just continue to impress. And, yeah, uh, yeah. You'd be a brave man to bet against them being up there at the end of the season. I wanted to talk about Lincoln. I know that our, our friend, great friend of the pod, Gab Sutton, was at the game and he's written a great report. Uh, so are the guys at uh, Stacey West, a great Lincoln blog and you know to all intents and purposes this was a, a sparkling performance from Lincoln against a Swindon side that have some very good players especially in midfield uh, and it wasn't necessarily the the, the long ball um, jibe that sometimes get aimed at, at Danny Cowley and his Lincoln side um, really good passing and moving football uh, wide men Anderson and, and Bruno Andrade sparkling performances Bostwick immense uh, started at centre-back finished the game in midfield which just shows exactly what he offers uh, and you know it's, it's only two games but they've shown an ability to play two different systems they played three at the back in the first game with wing backs uh, four at the back on the weekend which may have taken Swindon by surprise I think personally four at the back suits their fullbacks. Ardley and Toffolo a bit better than, than wing-back play. Um, but it also allows them to have uh, a more natural winger like Anderson, who um, ho- could be a brilliant player, is, is sort of a bit inconsistent in terms of form, but uh, was excellent on the weekend. Andrada um, feeding Akinde is just deadly. And then, of course, the three subs they brought on, Tom Pett, Jason Shackle and Matt Green, which, which kind of says it all. You, just look, you look through this game and it's, it's slightly men against boys. Um, and you look at the Swindon team that I, you know, I said before the season I thought they might do okay but it's just it's, it's, it's fairly lacking in steel I mean you look at the likes of Jermaine McGlash and Keshi Anderson the two young loanees um, from I think Fulham and, uh, and Brighton um, Alzate and, and Adebayo mm-hmm. you know who are basically two kids and there, there's not enough kind of bite in there and obviously Michael Doughty's there to provide that steel but again is he really that powerhouse that you need so I do wonder and against you know the likes of Akinde, Shackle, Green. I mean, these are guys who are just going to eat those people for breakfast, really. So, yeah. um, uh, Michael Boswick, for example, is going to take one look at those um, th- those strikers and think this is going to be an easy ride. So, I'm sure in in the games where they'll be able to express themselves and be slightly rely on their technical ability a bit more, Swindon could be okay. But um, in hindsight, looking at this, um, it, it, yeah. It's not surprising to see that the dominant win for the home team. Two absolutely brilliant goals from Colchester uh, on the weekend. Really, I mean, really caught the eye because when you're in the League Two section of the highlight show, you just you don't see one goal like that. They scored two brilliant goals. Um, uh, firstly, Dickinson playing in Courtney Senior, who looked electric. Uh, secondly, Smodix playing in the right back. Jackson to finish well. So um, Colchester looking really good. Their fans quite excited. Liam uh, tweeted us to say that they played wonderful football. Um, Dickinson, Smodix and Senior in attack are outstanding. Harry Pell, who we mentioned, uh, adding a lot of class in midfield. They've also got Nuble up front as well. Bit of a battering ram. Hasn't got the goals yet, but but impressing too. So uh, a good start and lots of positive signs for Colchester, I think, in that game. Courtney Senior is a really interesting one. Uh, I read Mike Calvin's book about scouts. 
Um, and there's a whole section, basically a few paragraphs, in which they're watching Courtney Senior, age 15, playing for Brentford under 16s. Um, and these scouts are like, they're in absolute awe of him. They consider him to be the next big thing. So it's interesting to see him pitch up at Colchester after some injury problems. Seems like if he could get some games under his belt, then, then he could be one of the next big things out of League Two, uh, which is quite exciting. And it's cool to see a team in League Two really put the ball down and, and play properly. Smodix is the type of guy that gives them that ability, but then probably contributes to them Maybe, maybe feeling a bit soft at times. I don't yeah. know. Um, remains to be seen how that goes. Uh, I think there are some worries at Cheltenham. Um, we discussed the, the inevitability of, of selling Moisa. They, they really didn't get that replacement in, whether that was because teams knew that they had that windfall and, and were asking for too much or whether the ambitions of the chairman and the manager were, were just not matching those of the fans but I've seen a lot of negative tweets from Cheltenham fans over the last few days yeah it's been a tough start and I, and I think there were kind of murmurs of unrest before the, the season got going so after two losses it's always going to be um, fairly nasty I mean it was an unbelievable goal um, from from Norwood uh, for Tranmere their first goal at home back in the league um, and again I, I have a feeling that that 1-0 loss at Tranmere is not going to look um, as bad in a, in a few weeks as it does now because I do think they'll be a decent outfit uh, but even so you know, no goal scores, um, losing their star striker, not reinvesting that money. It's not been a great start. But uh, again, this is one of those where it really is early days and you know, a, a couple of wins and, and a few points later and it'll all look better. Um, it's not like they're, lost, they're 6-0 down after two games. Yeah, definitely early days. Um, lots to get through. And hopefully the, the slight change in style towards the more Bielsa and Daniel Stendel approach to podcasting um, has provided some joy. That's going to be it from us today. Hope that you've really enjoyed this rattling through of, of the big news and the big stories and the analysis, I suppose, of, of the three EFL divisions. If you've enjoyed it, as ever, we just ask for a retweet. Um, we'll be tweeting out the links to the article, pinning them to the top of our Twitter page, at NTT20pod, and it really helps us to reach new people. So even if you always do it, thank you so much, but please keep going because we still need your support uh, so that we can you know, keep the motivation, keep the inclination to, to to, to keep this uh, podcast twice weekly um, we're really excited about the season ahead and, and we hope that you've enjoyed our first few podcasts make sure you are subscribed because we've got Thursday's betting show coming uh, this week again we've had some success over the first few weeks I know that we got a, we got a few nice tweets from people saying that we helped them land a bit of money on the weekend so that's really good that's exactly what we're doing it for um, and uh, so, so make sure that you're listening to those and until next time 